0: unto you, and peace from God our Father, and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Let us hear the word of God as we find it written in the book of the Acts of the Apostles. Read there in the first chapter, especially the ninth verse. And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And now may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Good morning, dear friends in Christ Jesus, you who are here in God's house and you also, Christian friends, who are worshiping with us by means of the radio. I realize that you may say to me, Preacher, what's good about this morning with the rain? But I do hope that you are glad to be here in church worshiping. And radio fans, I hope that you are glad that you have tuned us in. You have heard me mention that today we are celebrating the festival of the ascension. All of us know that to ascend means to go up. And that therefore the ascension festival commemorates the time when Jesus went up to heaven. When he went back home. When he returned home that's the Ascension Festival. Now, it occurred 40 days after Easter. That was last Thursday, which would commemorate the event. It always comes on Thursday. May the 15th was the Ascension Festival. However, we are celebrating it this morning. And in that 40-day period, from the time that Jesus arose from the dead on Easter until Ascension, he made a number of appearances to his followers. And then came Thursday, the 40th day. He appeared to the 11. in Jerusalem. And they talked about many things that day. And then the risen living Christ walked with them over the brook Kedron. They went up the slope of the Mount of Olives, the same road that he had taken on Palm Sunday, only he was coming the other way that day, and he was riding a donkey. They went by the Garden of Gethsemane, and they came up to the slope of the Mount of Olives. And then there it was, the Jesus. He raised his arms, and he blessed the eleven. And as he did, lo and behold, he started to go up. And as he started to go up there, eyes went up and followed him, and finally we are told that a cloud received him out of their sight. They knew that he was going home. And there were two men standing by them, two angels in white apparel, that said, O oh, ye men of Galilee, why are you standing there gazing up into heaven? The same Jesus that you saw go is going to come in the same way someday. And then we are told that at the eleven they left the Mount of Olives, and at just a little over a half a mile they went back into Jerusalem. And you and I may say today, what does the ascension, the going home of Jesus, what does it really mean to us today? Day. Does it have a message for us or is it just one of those things? And may I say that when we say to ourselves what does the ascension, the going home of Jesus mean to us? Listen, it's a magnificent event. Believe me Christian friends. It ought to be that event which would move you and me to sing, to say, I'll sing about it. It ought to move you and me to say, Light, I will rejoice. It ought to move us to say, Huvilate. I will be happy. I will make a joyful noise because I hey. Went into heaven, it was his going home. It ought to mean this that you and I should be Christian optimists, never pessimists. That we ought to always, in our lives, see the brighter side of life. We ought to always see to it that we are walking on the sunny side of the street. We ought never to get away from the sunny side of the street because of the ascension. And you may say to me this morning, Preacher, I can't feel that enthusiastic that I could say my cantate and that I could like Harry and that I at Jubilate, because he went home, you may say, teacher, wasn't that the greatest brush-off in human history? Sure, he went home. He left us here. Sure, it was nice for him to go back home. He brushed us off, didn't he? Isn't it this out of sight, out of mind? He couldn't care less what happens to you and what happens to me. Where is there any reason to be gone and
1: around to be a Christian, optimist and never to be despondent, never to destroy, that our own to sing for a man that's singing inside of the street. And you know, so many to have to not that the dress in human history? He went in. and 15 years, on the basis of the, the God I did, after you that this is a magnificent from of brain, I see John, that he ought to sing our choruses and say, that ought to not move fellow Christian optimist and, and down, then to stay on the singing side of the street, the of the world, to pause this that i you realize that the one that in the life of Jesus, that's the sentence. It's the end of the in the life of Jesus, there the that asserts really and moves that moves really 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 and That he really that moves and moves That he's really moves that he really, moves 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 he has some interest where Sir,
0: then they went at a setting. And he it. So there's only one example in his
1: life that we uh, that he was really concerned that that don't mean... Second of every girl, that who never forgets the one moment of a second, and that is the fact that was the same thing, that was the and the third of the thing, can't follow you, you that he in and that in the girls in his hand honey, that are fellows that, that he cares about you, that what does matter that happens to me, that Newton's as men, second, heaven the though, that there was never even one million a second, and was about me, let that something mean, and I declare the you'll the conference for something, that man's answer, and first, and the side of the back, then you'll that the will shoot with the on the back, and he'll moving this and then again, because Mother, say to me that said, the day. That is a better than To the end of the letter, to the man, I can to. To them, third, the this who was that the friend can't And better now, the of the 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 of the and the dark body and the human soul. Remember this, that that human fire, unto him the Son of God entered, and earth and earth and the That fire have air power heaven and the earth. that that fire does not lose the of the fire the mission that that to do had never had been accomplished. and who used that power, so he the bad people, when the of the spirit of the women do, been the spirit of humiliation, who had to the that he to the who used that to do, and his ministers the they so, to the advance this mission. But a in that spirit of from losing to absolute unlimited of the, the to of and I said a grand baby do not act talk, and will mount to a new day that stopped that he can still do a question to Mr. Paz, the You and I know how past, and then we You the
0: the it And therefore when adversities come sickness or heartache or whatever it may be, bear in mind that on the throne you and I have a Christ who controls absolutely the limits of any misfortune of any adversity that can ever come in your life and mine, with the vastness and invincible power. And therefore, this is the assurance that you and I can live as, again, Christian optimists, never giving way to despondency and despair, and never saying, oh, Lord, I can't go on anymore, because that ascension assures you and me, therefore, that there will never come any adversity by enemies, by Satan, by hell, by God, that will ever be so great that it can tear you and me away from Jesus Christ. That will never, never, never happen. You and I can stay on the sunny side of the street even though we can't see the sun. We can always be there. You and I can see the brighter side of life. We can always be Christian optimists. We can always say, Kentucky, I'll sing because my Lord went home because of this assurance. I don't care what adversity that will ever come in your life and mine. There will never come an adversity that can grab you and me against our will from Jesus Christ and damn us. That can't happen. That's why Paul says, who can separate us from the love of Christ? And Paul said, do you think tribulation can do it? Do you think persecution can do it? Do you think nakedness? Do you think famine? Do you think a sword? Do you think any of those things can tear you and me away from our Lord, Paul says, for I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. Listen, Ascension Day, the very going up of Jesus, going home, it ought to mean to you and me that we're going to stay on the sunny side of the street, that you and I are Christian optimists, and we're ever going to see the brighter side of life. No need for despair, no need for frustration, because you've got a Christ seated on the throne exercising unlimited power, no one shall ever take you and me away from him. That can't happen, friend. And that's why today when we say, what does the ascension mean? Is going home? Isn't it the greatest brush off in human history? Oh, God forbid. And when we realize that it's anything but a brush off, that it's the one assurance that you and I have uh, that he is concerned about you and me every second of every day. There isn't one millionth of a second in any day in your life and mine as a Christian, but what he is concerned and he is interested and he is mindful. And therefore, we ought to determine this morning to say, right now here in church, this is what I determined to you. I'm never again going to be afraid of tomorrow how many of us are afraid of tomorrow how many of us say oh look what may happen how many of us are worried stiff when the Christ who again says, I have overcome the world, when he who lives tells you me, don't worry about tomorrow. In that 40-day period, he appeared. The Word of God records about, records about 10 different uh, appearances of Jesus from Easter until Ascension. And the purpose of all of them was simply this, to assure his followers beyond the shadow of doubt that he was alive. Oh, there was to Mary Magdalene, you know, on Easter morning, then to the women. And in the afternoon, sometime an appearance to Peter, and the appearance to the two men on the way to Emmaus and that night to the disciples behind locked doors when Thomas wasn't there. The following Sunday night when Thomas was there and then again he appeared to seven when they were up fishing at Galilee and had fished all night. On the mountain top he appeared to five hundred at once. Then there was an appearance again to his brother James and then the one on Ascension Day. And bear in mind this was what Jesus did. He would not go back to heaven until every follower of his was convinced that he was alive. He appeared to Thomas because he wouldn't dare have gone back to heaven without Thomas being assured that Jesus was risen. Every follower of his had the assurance that he lives. And listen, friend, if every last one of them, 500, saw him and those were his followers and they say he lives, you and I know that therefore just as certain as he lives, he is seated at the right hand of God. Pray tell why are you and I afraid of tomorrow. Nothing will ever come tomorrow that will ever snatch you and me away from our Christ. That's what ascension means. Oh, we can no longer have to sing ye banks and braes of bonnie dune. How can ye bloom so fair? How can ye chant, ye little birds? And I so full of care, as Robert Burns would say it. You don't have to be full of care. No, you and I don't have to be afraid of tomorrow. We've got again a Christ who went back home, who again thinks of you and me every second of every day. Not for one millionth of a second does he forget you and me. And that means that in every second of your life and mine, and even every millionth of a second, we can be assured of this, that there's nothing to be afraid of because our Christ is seated at the right hand of God. We may say to ourselves, oh, what does the ascension mean? I know he went home 40 days after He's. What does it mean to me? We may say, is there any reason to rejoice? Why, we as Christians, we ought to say, because he went back home. Therefore, I can say, cantate, I'll sing about it. I can say, Litari, I'll rejoice. Jubilate, I will jubilate. I will make a great noise. I will be happy. I'll see to it that I am a Christian optimist. I'll never be a pessimist. I'll never let frustration get a hold of me. I'll never say, oh God, I can't go on. I'll always see that I'm on the sunny side of the street. Why? Listen, this was not a brush off. The one event in the life of Jesus Christ that assures you and me that he is interested in you and me every second of every day, never forgetting for a millionth of a second is his ascension. Because in the second place, that ascension, it's the one event in his life that assures us that he's seated at the right hand of God, making intercession, pleading for you and me, mind you, every second of every day. Never stopping pleading for you and me for one single millionth of a second. Why did he go to heaven, you must say? Why did he go to heaven? Why, I'll tell you why he went to heaven. Not only that he might exercise to the full his power, but he went to heaven because he got his job done. You see, he was God's son. He came into the world to die the only one that ever came into the world to die because he knew that the salvation of the entire human race depended upon him and he came into the world therefore to bear our guilt and our punishment and our stead to take the whole ball of wax on himself and he went to Calvary's cross and that's what he did on Calvary he the God man he scored an exemption ticket from hell for all of us because he bore hell into our stead he bore the equal of an eternity in hell for the human race on the cross even though your minds and mind can't fathom that and on the cross don't forget he is God he scored and he merited an admission ticket to heaven for the entire human race that was his job when his job was done he wanted to go home don't you if you're away from home and you finish the job you want to come home? And he went home. And you and I may say, but yes, and here he left us a great brush off. Here, yes, I can't faith in Jesus, but I've got a life to live. How in the world can I be ready for, again, for that moment, that second in my life when death comes? You and I know this. We actually live for a second, don't we? We live for one second in our life. That's the moment of death. And as you and I are in that second when death comes, so we are in eternity. That's the tremendous second in your life and mind, isn't it? you and I may say, well, how in the world? I have faith in him. I believe that he's my How in the world can I be ready for that one second in my life, and I don't even know when it's coming, that in that second I will be found faithful and that I can be saved? How in the world can I do it alone? Listen, friend, do you realize that we can say, well, I'm going to be a Christian optimist. You've got a friend on the throne who pleads your cause and mine every second, never stopping for one millionth of a second. Let me try to make it clear. I think most of us have been, in Niagara Falls haven't we when you and I have faith in Christ there flows from him because he eternally pleads for us with the father there flows from Jesus Christ to you and me a perpetual flow of forgiveness I'd like to liken it to Niagara Falls when you stand at Niagara Falls and you see the fall listen that goes continually every second there isn't a millionth of a second that it stops in the same way to everybody who puts his faith in Jesus there is a constant eternal flow of forgiveness and therefore in your life and mine we all sin every day, sure we do. We sin sins of ignorance. We do so many things that are wrong, we're not even aware of it. And we may say, how in the world can I be ready for that one point then when death comes, when I sin every day and I'm not even aware of it at times, because I'm under the Niagara of his forgiveness. That flows continually to you and me as a Christian, as long as we have our faith in him, yet never stops for one millionth of a second. And therefore, because that flows continually, what does it matter when that second comes, when we're under the blood, if you want that expression, but when we're under the Niagara of his forgiveness. And then you and I sin in another way. Every day we sin in sins of weakness. You may say, what do you mean by that, every Christian sins in weakness? Those are the things that you and I say, I don't give my consent to it. I don't want to do it. Like Paul said, the things that I want to do, somehow or other I don't do them. And the things that I really don't want to do, those are the things that I do. Oh, wretched man that I am, you and I say in our lives, I don't give my consent to that. But I lose my temper. I say unkind things. I don't mean to do it. And we may say, well, supposing at that moment death should come. Listen, friend, you've got a man on the throne who is pleading continually, never stopping for one millionth of a second. When you and I are under Niagara, every sin of weakness that we didn't consent to means that Niagara continually flows, it doesn't stop for a millionth of a second, and that you and I stand in a forgiven relationship. We're in grace, and in that moment it can come any time, whether you and I are awake or whether we're asleep, got our shoes on or got our shoes off. Because Niagara flows incessantly because you're Lord in mine, He has your interest in heart and mind and he pleads every second of every day. Never stop me for a millionth of a second. And even if you and I do deliberate sin, that we absolutely get out from under Niagara, we don't want him anymore. If we persist in sin, he still pleads that God won't strike you and me dead on the spot but give us a chance that by sorrow we can come and plunge ourselves again under Niagara so that though our sins be as scarlet, they shall be whiter than snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. Listen, we can say I can stay on the sunny side of the street because of his ascension into heaven. I know this, that I can be a Christian optimist. There's no reason for despondency. There's no reason for despair. No reason for frustration. Oh, I can see the brighter side of life. I can always stay on the sunny side regardless of the day, even though you don't see the sun, but it's shining today, isn't it? That ought to mean this in your Christian life, and that when we say I can cantati, I can sing because of his ascension. I can like Harry. I can rejoice, jubilate. I can jubilate. I can make a loud noise. I can be happy. I can stay on the sunny side of the road. Then again, you and I can declare this and say: therefore, I shall never again, from this moment on, be ashamed of yesterday. Or you may say, well, the reason I'm despondent, he's gone away. How about the sins of yesterday that we're ashamed of? You know, he made one other appearance, and it's a beautiful touch that's there. Paul tells us that Jesus appeared to Peter. Evidently, sometime on Easter Sunday afternoon, that's all we're told, he appeared to Peter. You may say, well, what about it? Old Simon Peter, son of Jonah, old Pete Johnson. Pete Johnson, who on Thursday night or early Friday had denied his Lord on Easter Sunday. Sunday afternoon, the risen Christ appeared to him. And God just doesn't tell us. But, oh, I think we can imagine. Imagine when the risen Lord appeared to him at all, Pete, saying to him, Pete, uh oh, Pete, I know how you feel you denied me, but Peter, I've forgiven you long ago. He probably said, Pete, remember the other night when I looked at you in the rooster crowed, and you started to cry, and he probably said, oh, Pete, I forgive you then. Everything's all right. Why, I've forgiven you before you ever asked me, because I knew you were sorry. And old Pete Johnson, again, he knew that everything was all right, no longer ashamed of yesterday. You and I may say, oh, I'm ashamed of yesterday, and therefore, I, I can't live on the sunny side of the street, listen, if Jesus Christ, because he appeals for your case and mine, and every moment, and again, even within a millionth of a second, brings you and me forgiveness, and he forgets all of our sins, then you and I can say, because of his ascension, he went home, I'm not going to be ashamed of yesterday anymore, I'm going to forget it, he's forgotten it. Not for a millionth of a second does he ever think of it. And if he's forgotten and he could tell Pete Johnson, Pete, everything's all right, I forgive you, I love you. He can say that you and me. Oh, listen, you can live on the sunny side of the street because, again, of the ascension. And this, again, why it's the one event. It's that one glorious event in the life of Christ that assures us that he is concerned about you and me. He does think of you and me. He is interested in you and me. Why, every second of every day, friend, even for a millionth of a second, he doesn't forget because it's the assurance here. It's that one event that assures us that he's seated at the right hand of God and that seated there he sees to it in his word. Every second and every millionth of a second his word still tells you and me about the beauty and the glory of heaven you may say why did he go home well he went home so he could use his power in its fullness he went home because the job was done and another good reason why he went home i'll tell you why he was just plain homesick to go home you ever been homesick ever been homesick when you really wanted to go home my lord was homesick Why, the word of God says, who for the glory that was set before him, that he was going to go home, he endured the cross. He said to himself, oh, I'll I'll die for the sins of the world. I don't care of the shame and the disgrace of it, because when it's over with, I can go home. Home, he knew, wouldn't make up for everything. What a homecoming it must have been. The Son of God was homesick, yeah, and he went home, and what it must have been. The myriads of the angels, 10,000 times 10,000 angels, again using his power, 1,000 million angels, what a homecoming it must have been. And to have them gather around the throne and to sing, worthy is the Lamb that was slain, to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. Oh, what a homecoming. He was homesick, you see. And because he sits on the throne, he has preserved his word. That in this word of God, every second that you and I turn to it, it never fails. Not for a millionth of a second is it ever wiped out of the word. Uh, that heaven is beautiful because he was homesick to go. You know of any more beautiful words And let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. That where I am, there ye may be also. Oh, listen, you and I can live on the sunny side of the road. We can be Christian optimists because, again, this Christ who assures us that heaven is beautiful Tells you and me every second, and he never fails to tell it in his word that there will be no tears in heaven. Oh, in this world, you see, he allows us through tears to see heaven, and that's the only beautiful view you get, isn't it? You gotta see it through a tear. Then, it, then it's bright, and you can see the brighter side when, again, when you've got it through a tear. But he says, when you get home, there won't be any tears. Gotcha, wipe away all tears from their eyes. And you and I can say, I can be a Christian optimist. I can stay on the sunny side of the street because let the world bring its worst. Let the worst befall me. He's in control. And again, there will be no tears. In that heaven to which I'm going, where my Lord went because he was so homesick. Oh, he just couldn't wait till he got back. And that means this, him: When we say to ourselves, what does the ascension mean? Well, if it means that you and I can say cantate, I can sing about it. And oh, I can go out like Harry, I can rejoice and Jubilate, I can be happy. And I will therefore be a Christian optimist and I'll never be guilty of despondency and despair. I'll never go into frustration. And oh, again, I'll lay aside the bottle of pills. I don't need those pills to take my life. No, I know this that he assures me there will be no tears there then we ought to determine to share this Christ and this heaven with others the last words he spoke to them on the Mount of Olives before he went up and he said and you shall be my witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth and then he went up to be Witnesses, And he'd like to, because he's on the throne, he'd like to have you and me uh, tell others so that, again, in that heaven where there will never be one second or one millionth of a second but joy, we may have others to share it with us, to share this heaven, this being at home. You know, sometimes people say, what will the joy of heaven really be like? What will it be like to be with him in heaven? And some say, well, what will it be like to be with our Christ? I like to put it this way at times. To me, being with Christ in heaven means this. It's going to be that I'll feel at home. To feel at home. Do you know anything any more wonderful than feeling at home? and being wanted. How many of you were in church this morning and you don't feel at home? Oh, God, that's a horrible feeling, isn't it? I beat my brains out at times asking folks to say hello to some of you strangers because I know it's a horrible feeling to to not feel at the home, isn't it? You know, some of our churchmen have made a study of what happens when a family moves from one community to the other. Why is it that a Lutheran family will move from one community to the other and then they don't join the Lutheran church in spite of all their training or a Methodist comes to another community who doesn't join the Methodist church or a Presbyterian or again, they will go to other churches and we have found out this, that in spite of the training of many, in spite of the training of many, there are those who say, I go where I feel at home. It must be wonderful to feel at home. It is horrible, isn't it, not to feel wanted? Isn't it terrible to say, oh, I wish I could get out of here. I can't stand it. They don't like me. I don't feel at home. You know, I think this morning, King Edward VIII, I remember when King Edward VIII when he was King of England and the day came when he abdicated the throne because he was going to marry a divorced woman and he was told that he couldn't have both. And I remember hearing when it came from this is London, I remember his voice and he said something like this as he was abdicating the throne of England. He said, I am doing it because of the woman that I love. I'm not here to discuss the matter or the propriety of that marriage, but I want to mention this. Later on, he was asked, he said, How could you give up a throne? How could you give up the throne of England for the love of a woman when you could have had any woman in the Empire how does it come you gave it up for her you know what he said he said this I gave up the throne of England for her because she is the only woman that I know that has ever been able to make me feel at home to feel wanted to feel at ease and oh God if a man gave up a kingdom to feel at home And if heaven's the place where you and I will feel at home, oh, God, why don't we stay on the sunny side of the street? Oh, so often we feel so ill at ease and people don't like us. But, oh, to be in heaven with our Lord, to really be at home, to be able to walk the glory road then on the sunny side of the street, and to be able to sing a going home, going home, I'm a-going home, quiet like some still day. I'm a-going home. It's not far, just close by through an open door. Work all done, hair laid by, going to roam no more. Mother's there expecting me. Father's waiting too. Lots of folks gathered there, all the friends. I knew. I'm, I'm going home. Going home because we'll feel at home. We can stay on the sunny side of the street. Amen. The peace of God which passeth all human understanding, keeping unite your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus unto life everlasting.